Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and on behalf of Maria and I, I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and I want to encourage you to check out our website. On there we have all of our upcoming events, in-person services, gatherings all over the place, and if you're looking for a church in the MacArthur region, check it out. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. We'd love to get to know you. Let's get to the podcast. Well, we are one week away from our first ever in-person church service. We've been looking forward to this for many, many months and uh, throughout lockdowns and online, you know, uh, house party hangouts, playing you know on our phones, staring at each other, you know, through various dinners, park lunches. It's all been kind of gearing up for this moment, next Sunday. I hope you can join us. I hope you can invite some friends. We're really looking forward. It's just so special to gather for church, isn't it? It, it, it really is. There's not really anything like it, really. And um, last week, even having uh, a bunch of us, a lot of us together at Imaginations Church, our uh, our. I guess our our home church, our sending church, um, worshiping together, gathering for church, and that's what I really want to talk about today. Uh, that that word, gathering, gather, and the gathering of God's people. Uh, why is it so special? Why why do we why do we do that? You know, I think it's appropriate given that we are about to commence uh, at least once a month in person church service gatherings. And for many Christians uh, throughout COVID and even uh, coming out of COVID, they've given up on the uh, idea of gathering for church or they've knocked it down a few rungs on their priority list. You know what I mean? And I really think it's just evidence that we often uh, don't have Bible foundations as to why we do things as Christians, you know, if you grew up in church, which I, I didn't really grow up in church, but if you did and, and you were dragged to church every Sunday, you didn't really like it, you know, uh, you were forced to go to Sunday school, maybe you would probably have to come to a revelation eventually about why it is that you do what you do habitually and going to church. And this is what's happened is, you know, with with lockdowns and online services and stuff, there's been this upheaval and all, all these people who were just doing things blindly because that's what they always did are like, oh, hang on a second. Why have I been going to church all these years and getting up on a Sunday morning and p- putting the kids in the car? Why is that important? Why is it important for you, for your spiritual development, for your marriage, for your kids, for the cause of Christ? Uh, and I taught a series last year called Planted, and it was all about the church, what the church is, how to be planted in it. So I encourage you to check that out if you haven't, um, or if you missed a week, that's going to really kind of help us get a good biblical understanding of the church and what it means to be planted in one. But today I want to talk specifically about the gathering for church, like the gathering for a church service. Uh, You know, we have all sorts of gatherings in church life. Um, particularly in a church like us, a plant, a church plant, um, a church that has all different forms of gathering, right? Uh, and, and we'll share a, a bit more about that next week. But we have all sorts of gatherings, park lunches, dinners, you know, uh, like all, all sorts of things, all of which are very important. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm like, I, 
we can't say that having a meal together is not that important when Jesus did it all the time, uh, when he taught us to break bread together. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Notice it didn't say where two or three gather for a church service. No, it just says where two or three gather together in my name. Like what makes it, uh, what makes the gathering of God's people so special? Is it that we have a song to start it? Uh, is it that we do a Bible study? No, it's just that the, the prerequisite, I guess, is that we gather in Jesus' name, which I think's pretty cool, right? But Because but, if we just have a church service centric view of the church, and all we do is just bump in and bump out of church, um, we will find it hard to be knitted together in the community of faith, to find good faith friendships, which is what God desires for us. You know, Christianity is communal. Walking with God is not just about you and him, it's about you, him, and those around you. Okay, I know we love to feel like we're so important that, you know, the whole of heaven's attention is just on us as an individual. But, you know, you are important. And of course, God values you, but he values you so much. He wants you to be in the community of faith, in the family of God. That's very, very important. Uh, you know, I always found it funny <laughs> being a worship pastor uh, in, a, in a bit of a larger church, which many of you would have uh, been in the auditorium where you know, Marie and I attended where I worship led for many, many years, many, many weeks. And I just used to find it kind of humorous, you know, worship leading. And you would see like, it's almost like the phantom church attenders who would, who would, uh, and not many of them, only a couple who would, they would arrive in the second song, right? And then they would leave during the closing prayer. And it doesn't matter what you did as a church. Uh, you could plant pastors in the foyer to, to say, hey, who are you? And they were just, they were gone. They were in their car and lining up for KFC drive through before we even had a chance to say hello. It's like, like flash church attenders, in and out. And, you know, is that really uh, going to help you mature spiritually? Really? Is that what it's all about? Just clocking into a service, lifting my hands and leaving? Uh, no, I, I, I believe there's more to church than just the service. Uh, and if you have just been a church service-centered Christian, um, you're robbing yourself of so much of what God has intended the body of Christ to be. It's true. Um, and so church isn't all about the service, but I will say this. The service is still pretty important and pretty powerful. I mean, there is so much that happens in when we meet together to worship to, to teach God's word, to pray together, uh, to, to come together for the cause of Christ. I mean, many of us made commitments to Christ for the first time in a church service, right? I did. Uh, many of us have been encouraged in a church service. Uh, many of us have received the prophetic word in a church service. Uh, many of us have had our children dedicated in a church service. Uh, I spoke to many people last week as we were meeting at Imaginations Church, which was awesome. And, and uh, interesting speaking to some families from our church and the common rhetoric was, it was just so great to be in church, to be in church, worshiping together, to be 
in the presence of other people to, you know, after uh, what feels like forever uh, in our church planning context of, of not having that. It's so great to have that. And we don't uh, want to just throw away church service, which is, I've sensed like the attitude in, uh, not, not, uh, I haven't really sensed that in our church, but I've seen it in, in other Christians that I know, this attitude of, ah, oh, church services aren't that important anymore. You know, I can just do it online. And, I, you know, I'm not talking about online video-based stuff, which is great, and we're doing that right now, and it serves a purpose, and it is a form of gathering, and it's an important form of gathering, and I think it's amazing. But I'm specifically talking about in person, in the room, in proximity, in the atmosphere of a church, worship, teaching, preaching, praying service. Uh, Gathering is a biblical pattern. It is. Uh, We look at the Old Testament. When God delivered his people out of Egypt, it was on the promise that they would soon gather at the mountain of God to worship him at Mount Sinai, where Moses encountered the burning bush. And after the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, they gathered together for the worship of God in a very unique way. And we read in Exodus chapter 33, verse 8 to 11, just picture this with me. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, which is where God's presence was, and where he would go and meet with God, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents, and they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wow. So picture this, and we've got a picture here I can put up. There is this tent of meeting in the middle of the encampment of the Israelites. They'd be in their tribes, all a big gathering of people. And when it was time for you know Moses to meet with God, they would all come out to the entrance of their tent and watch him go in to meet with God and bow and worship as the presence of God fell in a pillar of cloud. It's kind of like an Old Testament version of of online church, you know, people watching church from their tent. Although the difference for us now, which is amazing, is that it's not about me entering the presence of God or or one leader entering the presence of God. No, all of us can enter the presence of God, which is really, really cool. And later on, when the place of worship uh, would become a more permanent place, and then one day would be in Jerusalem, uh, the pattern of gathering was still there. This is a biblical pattern. God says in Deuteronomy 12, 11, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, and your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord, your God, chooses for his name to be honored. Note that there, the designated place of worship, a place God chooses his name to be honored. So gathering is a God thing. Gathering is a biblical pattern. And the Old Testament pattern can kind of be summed up as God's people meeting in one place, one specific place at one time. Now we flip over to the New Testament, where Jesus really breaks this thing 
open in an amazing way. And he is asked about this specific uh, question about places of worship by the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, uh, If you don't know the story, it's in John chapter four. I encourage you to check it out. But basically Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman, which was um, which was very countercultural at the time, and he speaks with her. She asks him some questions, and one of the questions she asks him is in John four nineteen. She says, "This, sir," the woman said, "you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped?" And then Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. And Jesus goes on to explain how true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And the emphasis moves through what Christ did on the cross away from being in one place one geographic location at one time, to being in many places at many times. There will be church gatherings here and here and here. And we see that happening in the book of Acts and in the the early church, this explosion of, of, of gatherings happening all over the place. But the point is, is that the emphasis is still gatherings right? It's, it's maybe the one specific geographic location element has shifted, but there is still gatherings of people. And some people read what Jesus said and almost interpret it like he's anti-establishment or something, or like he's, uh, he's just saying, oh no, it's all going to just be about you know, individuals. And that's not an accurate reading of what Jesus is saying. Jesus wasn't dismissing the pattern of gathering, the discipline, the, uh, the, 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 power of gathering of God's people together. No, he was expanding the places that it can happen. It wasn't just about one mountain or one temple. No, it was about the people of God becoming the temple wherever they gather. Amen. And we see this when Jesus gives his life on the cross in Matthew 27, verse 51, just after Jesus breathes his last breath, it says, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And all these miraculous people were raised from the dead when Jesus uh, breathed his last breath and then he would later rise again. But it's interesting emphasis there in the book of Matthew and Matthew is actually written to a Jewish audience. They would have understood that there was a huge curtain that separated people from the presence of God. Uh, that most holy of holy place that only the high priest could enter at specific times after doing specific rituals. There was this big curtain that separated people from God. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus dies, he pays the price for the sins of the world. The curtain that separates people from the presence of God is ripped in two. Now here's the question. Was the curtain ripped to let God's presence out or to allow people to come in? And the answer is both and. Uh, In Hebrews, it it explains to us like this in chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. That's where the curtain was ripped, right? By his death, 
Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, that's Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Isn't that amazing? So you have Moses who entered the tent of meeting, which would later become the temple in a more kind of permanent place. But this pattern of one representative entering the presence of God, the meeting of worship was basically worshiping God as we observe one person uh, meeting with him. It was the teachings of God being brought by priestly uh, headship and all this kind of stuff. And then Jesus comes and he is our priest. He is our representative. The curtain is broken and there is access to the presence of God through what he did for us. But what I love about this is right after in Hebrews 10, what we just read, where the emphasis goes. So it's like, hey, there we have a high priest. The, the, the way to the presence of God is open for us. And then where does it shift? Well, we read right there in verse 23, literally the next verses, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Isn't it amazing? You go from, hey, the way of God's presence is open to us. Jesus is our high priest. We can enter God's presence because our sin has been forgiven. And then right away it shifts into, let us not stop meeting together. Okay. And I think it's interesting to me because in our individualistic kind of mindset, in our modern day, you know, we, we put heavy emphasis on us as an individual. You know, you've probably been in church services where people have said, you know, God knows every, uh, every hair, the number of hairs on your head, which is true. And that would be very complicated for me, as you can see. But uh, I'm not taking away from the fact that God values you as an individual. But if we're not careful, we can almost venture into this thought that says, the temple curtain was broken. The presence is open so that I can meet with God one-on-one. And it's all just about me. I have a, a just like Moses spoke to God as a friend, I have a one-on-one audience with the king. And that is true. But if that's all that we emphasize, we, we miss the fact that God wants us to gather together to meet with him. God is in two gatherings. It's not just about you having a meeting with God one-on-one and forsaking everyone else. No, there is a part in the biblical pattern. There's a part in the, the community in Christ where we all gather together. There's a power in that. There's a there's an accumulation of people. There's an encouragement that happens when we gather together. I mean, God is in two gatherings. Jesus spoke to gatherings of people. Pentecost was a gathering of people. Uh, all the New Testament churches were gatherings of people. The Apostle Paul sought out gatherings of people to share the gospel. If God was just all about the individual, wouldn't Pentecost look like something like Everyone was just at home alone and he encountered them all individually at the same time. And they, no, there is an emphasis 
in the scriptures on the gathering of people, the, the, the being together in community, being knitted together. God is in to gatherings. And just as Moses ascended the mountain of God to hear from him, to seek his face, we as living stones come together and we form the mountain of God in which God dwells. We form the temple of God. The temple was once a, once a place where God's people would go and meet. No, no, no. Now we are the temple. We gather together. God's presence dwells with us. Amen. I know we're getting a little bit theological, but follow with me here. I'm trying to lay the foundation of why gathering is of biblical importance, not just uh, um, cultural importance, but biblical importance. Amen. You know, the Greek word for church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia, which we can put on papyrus. Let's put it on there. And this is not a reference to a building, but a gathering of people. In fact, the, the, the other word used in the New Testament for gathering of God's people is the word synagogue. And the synagogue was a physical place where the Jews would meet to hear the word of God. And scholars believe the New Testament church didn't really want to use that word uh, synagogue because of its Jewish roots. They wanted to kind of separate themselves from that. But the point is, the gathering was still important. It was still an emphasis. It's a you know, and even as we read the writings of Paul, Peter, it's all a lot of the epistles are about order in the gathering, uh, how to gather properly, eldership in the gathering. The, the biblical pattern is the gathering of God's people, because God is into gathering. God's people meeting together at one place in Jesus' name. So next week, as you come to our very first in-person service and you walk in what seems like a cafe, oh, it, is, it is a cafe, and you walk up the stairs and you enter uh, our temporary tent of meeting or whatever that, that this place is, and we gather together, we're gathering and it is a God idea. Let me tell you, if, if, if it is such a special thing in the Lord's eyes that Jesus would give us a promise that when you gather together, I am there, if it is so important to God that he would promise us his presence in those gatherings, well, then it better be special to us as well. And we better bring a priority to that. And this isn't a pastor's plea. It's not Maria and I with hat in hand coming to you guys and saying, please, Please gather with us. We want we want to have full seats. No, no, it's not that at all. Like, honestly, for us, it's a pastor's plea to say, hey, position yourself where God would ask you to be. You know, gathering is of biblical importance. This is where God will grow you. This is where God will change you, mold you, help you, help you find faith, friends. Let's be knitted together. And I love that picture of, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually, this picture of being knitted together, like a knitted jumper or, or a net or something. We're all, you know, we're stronger together as we're knitted in community, interweaved in our relationship to God and to each other. When we gather, we are being knitted together. When we gather, we hold each other accountable. You know, like we've all been in church contexts where you gather, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I wonder how they're doing. That wouldn't be as easy without the gathering of people, right? When we gather, God is with us. Uh, and one of the biggest reasons why I believe God 
emphasizes gathering together, it's because when we gather, we can unite together for the cause of Christ. Amen? For the cause of Christ. You know, it says in Hebrews, we just read it in Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect meeting together. So let's get ready to gather together next week. What do you need to do to lift your expectation, to lift your faith? Come on, maybe you could uh, pray with us this week, fast with us this week as we gather together. I see it in my mind. It's like, in my heart, it's like we're gathering together at the starting line of a new, of something new and fresh in the Lord. And I'm believing it's going to be a birthing moment of something amazing. You know, we've got visitors coming. We've got a small team coming from Imaginations Church. We've got new people. It's just going to be really, really exciting. And I would love to pray for that right now. Would you join with us in prayer? Would you join with us uh, right now in unity as we agree together for an amazing week next week? Lord, I thank you that we can gather online together right now. And Lord, we look to next week when we can come together in one room together to worship you, to come around your word, to bring the kids, let them have fun. And Lord, I pray that it would be just such an amazing, amazing time together. Lord, I ask that you would birth something new. Lord, I ask that you would, uh, for, for every new person, that they would feel welcome. For every person that's been part of our church journey so far, that there would just be a real sense of home. And we give you all the praise for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And maybe you're watching today and you don't uh, walk with Jesus. Maybe you need to get your life right with him. We would love to help you with that. You know, you can head to our website and, you know, we talked a lot about the the curtain between God's presence and his people, you know, and what Jesus did on the cross was wipe away our sin. And you can accept that forgiveness, that grace from him by faith today. In this moment, you can, you can ask him for forgiveness. But just as we've been talking about the gathering of people. You need help. You need help. You do. You, you, God's design is that you would be part of a family of God. So we'd love to help you. Head to our website. We'd love to send you a Bible. Maybe come next week to our first service and we would love to encourage you on your journey of following Jesus. Amen. Well, awesome church. I hope to see you next week. Come at 830 for free coffee uh, and let's get ready to gather together. Amen.